Mac Power Users, Episode 114, Workflows with Dan Benjamin. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie. Uh, and back again with us is the head of the 5x5 network, the mastermind of 5x5, Dan Benjamin. Hey, Dan. Hey, I, you know, you, that always makes me feel a lot of pressure when you, when you introduce me that way. But thank, thank you. Glad to be back. Here with us today is this guy named Dan that yeah. we picked up I off like the side that. of the No, I like that better. I mean, you know. I, I put you in the show notes as the grand poobah. Is that okay? <laughs> That's all right. I'll, I'll, I can live with that. Chief Slacker. That's my title at Max Barkey. <laughs> anyway, Dan, we had you here a long time ago when you were first getting started. And, uh, you know, back then, I think you had a couple shows <laughs> and uh, things have changed a lot for you since then, uh, among which we've been fortunate enough to join your network. Um, so tell us, what do you think? You know, how, how, how have things changed for you in the last couple of years? They're exactly the same. Nothing has changed. Uh, everything is exactly the way it was. No, I'm pretty much, I, I'm try, I was trying to think, because we were joking beforehand, you were teasing me about having, before we started the show, about having this Palm Pre that I had at the timeline we did our right. last show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which, you loved your Palm Pre. Dark chapter of my life, for sure. Yeah. When I couldn't, I couldn't use the iPhone anymore because I, I make a lot of phone calls. And at the time, and probably still, AT&T, where I lived, was just unusable. And, a- a- uh, AT&T is horrible in Florida. Yeah. Horrible. You made a good choice just moving out of the state. <laughs> that's, that. well, I only moved so that I could... So that I could no, actually, I'm, I went and switched to Verizon and with the hopes that the iPhone would eventually come to Verizon and it did, but it wasn't until I had already moved here. So that's maybe the big first thing I could mention is um, I live in uh, I live in Austin, Texas now, as opposed to Orlando, Florida. So that's one kind of big difference. I'm talking to you out of a small, uh, cramped and mostly awkward studio space that I rent instead of. Uh, my, you know, a spare bedroom of my house. And I, I put that move off as long as I possibly could, uh, thinking that I didn't really need it, but boy, did I need it. And uh, I should have done it way, way, way sooner. And we're, this isn't even enough. I mean, we want to get more space. We need more space. So I well, guess I mean, really, that. that's changed. Really, when we talked the first time, five by five was a guerrilla operation. You know, you were, <laughs> you were everything. Uh, you were pushing the broom and also you know, the CEO at the same time. Uh, and at the time the show we did, and this was episode 26, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, you explained how you do everything on the show. You, you find the guests, you put together the show, you do the post-production. I mean, you were running the whole kit and caboodle yourself. Well, I mean, since then five by five, uh, due to your hard work has been enormously successful and it's really the gold standard among, I think geek podcasts and people want to find these types of, of subjects. And you've added a lot of shows, uh, some of which you're on, some of which you're not. Um, I know that you've expanded your business end of what you do. I mean, you're doing a lot more behind the scenes stuff in terms of advertising and sponsorships. And and you've also brought people on to help you uh, do some of the work that you were all doing yourself before. Uh, and I know, listen, because I'm such a fan of you and the stuff you guys do, I'm listening to your shows and I always hear these references to the expansion of five by five, not in terms of just personnel and workflows, but also in terms of hardware. And I think since, you know, we're nerds, uh, let's start there and just talk about 
the state of five by five today in terms of hardware? I mean, you, you guys are in space, but what kind of equipment are you using to pull off all this magic? Sure. Before I do that, I mean, you got to say thanks. You're way, you're way too kind and you make it sound like this is some kind of big empire, but I appreciate everything you say. Thank you. Uh, you're far too kind. Um, yeah, definitely. We changed a lot of hardware stuff. So which, I guess, where, where do you want me to start? Do you want me to start on the remote end, the way that I bring co-hosts and guests in? Or do you want me to start on like my end and work out? You tell me. How do you want let's it? Start, let's start on your end because when we last spoke, you were talking, I think you were working off a Mac Pro or a laptop. And right. that was it. Laptop, and, yeah. and now, you know, I, I, I hear you've got all these Mac minis floating around. <laughs> you've got all these things going on. I don't even know what all you're doing. I want to hear about it. All right. Okay. Well, on, on the end that I see first and foremost is I've got this microphone. And the mic that I use, can I go, you they care about the audio stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. We did a show on this called, uh, uh, I think it was episode 73 on podcasting. We yeah, talked everybody about our thinks rigs. this kind of stuff. It All was right. one of our one of our most popular episodes. People love to hear about this. Stuff. All right, so I, I use a Heil PR forty microphone, and the reason that I use this instead of something like the RE twenty seven or or the RE twenty proper, like you'll find those in in most radio stations, is because of the way I, it makes my voice sound. Like I tried the other ones, and this is the thing: if if you're going to be talking into a microphone a lot, you want it to accurately represent your voice. I mean, unless you don't like your voice, in which case reconsider maybe what you're doing. Uh, but for me, I thought this mic carried my voice across better than the other mics that I tried. And this is a what's called a dynamic mic instead of a condenser mic. There's nothing wrong with a condenser mic. People will hear me uh, criticize condenser mics on Twitter. It's not because there's something inherently wrong with a condenser mic. They're fine. But they're fine or they're best, I should say in very tightly controlled circumstances, such as a recording booth in a professional studio. Uh, and in that situation where there's no bleed from any other sounds, where everything in the environment is completely controlled and you don't have a barking dog next door and you don't have the air conditioner and you don't have lawn equipment and you don't have a baby crying and you don't have a noisy neighbor, yeah, use a condenser mic, it'll be great. But if you have a refrigerator in the next room, that condenser mic is probably going to pick that noise up. And that's why in most radio stations and most recording situations that are not like high-end voiceover situations or, or recording artists, they use dynamic mics because they're much better at focusing. Look, when I go off mic just a little bit, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm two inches away from the mic right there. So you've got to have good technique on it. But at the same time, it's going to help get rid of noise that's not directly in front of it. That's not exactly what it's going to pick up. So over here snapping my finger I'm bar barely a foot and a half away from it and probably you barely heard that so yeah. go with a dynamic mic Heil PR40 is a great dynamic mic but they're gain hungry what that means is you need to give you need to have a really good preamp behind this thing you're going to plug this into your little mixer your little board or your little USB adapter or something you're going to be like well I had to turn it all the way up as far as it would go and it's still too quiet yes these things need a really good preamp so the preamps that I use I want to make sure I tell you this right. Hang on, Dave. I always get this confused. Don't cut this out either. I won't. It's yeah, the, I'm, is, I'm on the edge flavor. of my seat. It's the DBX286S. These are pretty much standard standard issue uh, preamps that you'll find in, in you know every radio station across the country. They're rack-mounted. Um, and these things, they, they have a little bit of compression. They have a little bit of a noise gate limiter, um, <clears throat> a little tiny bit of EQ in them, which we, mainly what I use these things are 
is because we record these shows and we stream them live and we record every channel and I'll get to that. But basically the less, the, the more that I can do to improve the quality of the live sound that's coming in, the less I have to do in post-production, the better the live stream sound, the better everything sounds. So these things, although they're not cheap, these things bring everybody's audio up to a certain level. Now there's still work we have to do in post and there's still EQ and riding the faders and stuff that I have to do while we're doing the live shows uh, and, and, to, and recording as well. But these help a lot and they also provide a nice amount of gain for, um, you know, for the, the, the mics that are here in the studio. So here in the studio, I've got a couple PR40s. I actually am getting, there's a couple more that are, that are dropping in. I've got the Shure SM58s for when I have other people sitting in in the studio. Those are being replaced. Uh, we've got these nice OC white booms on the risers. And after, so this is what I'm talking into. And we have pop filters on them. Although I don't really need one. I have one on this one anyway, but because, you know, someone else might sit here. So these, D, these uh, DBXs, they kind of calm the sound down. I, we're really light with the settings on them. People will go crazy and add a ton of compression. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay, two questions. Don't First do all, that, how, Dave. I, I won't. Okay. But tell me, how do you not need a pop filter? I'm that good. Are you, this is like magical, right? <laughs> when you spend like, <laughs> when you spend like, I don't know, five hours a day in front of a microphone, eventually you learn how not to do it. But the pop filter, the pop filter is helpful. Um, with a dynamic mic, you need it less than with a condenser. And with this particular dynamic mic, it has the PR40. It has somewhat of a pop filter kind of built into it. Um, it's about the angle. It's all about the angle, but I still, I still have one. I still have one uh, on here and it does, it does help. But if like if I walked up and it didn't have one, no big deal. I know what to do. Yeah, I, I bought a PR40 used from Victor Cahiao over at the typical Mac user because nice. he didn't he didn't like the way it made his voice sound. See, that's the thing. It, for me, it works. For him, didn't work. Yeah. So, and I used it for I don't know a year or two for Mac Power users, but I had two problems. First of all, I think there was something wrong with the mic, and it was there was like a low level hum we were getting anytime I used that mic, mm. and I never could crack the preamp problem i i went there's a local guitar center by my house and they have a 30-day money back so i i just bought progressively stronger preamps until i had the strongest one in their kit and i never did uh, get it working so it, i always had trouble trying to get that thing going it just in. it just needs a lot a lot of that gain and and this is the thing when people say hey dan what mic do you use and i'll say well like the simple answer is it's a PR40. The long answer is it's a PR40 going into a DBX286S connected to a Machionic 1620i going into Logic. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. one thing. It's, it's, that is the mic, but then there's, and, and, and like, I'm not saying this because I, I, you know, I think I'm awesome, but I've been doing this for a while now. I've been doing this every single day. I've been, I've been doing a podcast of one kind or another since like 2006. Yeah. And it has not always been with this mic. It's been with mostly crappy mics. Um, but over the last three or four years, it's been with this mic. And and I've learned it. And I've learned how to how to address the mic properly. And if you listen to some of those earlier shows that I did when right around the time, like 2008, 2009, when I first got this mic, they they did not sound like they do now. I learned a lot by doing this. And it's it, this is the thing. So like, don't run out and say, oh, I got to go get this mic. I'll tell you what mic to get. Get the Rode podcaster go get that 
That yeah. is, you're going to get the benefits of a condenser mic. You're going to get it at a, a much more affordable cost. It's not as good as the PR40, but if you're not in front of the microphone for four to five hours a day, then you don't need this. So go get that. And what's cool about the Rode Podcaster is that it has, it's just USB. It plugs right into your Mac or your PC and, and it uses on the Mac at least core audio. So you don't need like drivers for it or anything. You just plug it in and it's a microphone. It just works and it's going to sound great. And some of my co-hosts use one, use it without a pop filter and it sounds just fine because it's got a built-in pop filter. Now, if you think you're going to record multiple people and you want an, or you just want an XLR interface, the Rode Procaster is the exact same microphone with an XLR interface instead of USB interface. So that's the mic I say to get. Yeah, so I, I got frustrated with the with the Heil, and that's exactly what I did. I bought the the pod, the Rode Podcaster with the boom, and I'm talking in it right now. You sound I've great. Been, and I've been using this for like a year, and the boom is great. It's USB, so it's just plugged into my iMac. I can push it out of the way when I'm not recording, when I want to do a screencast, or even when I do drag and dictation, I just pull the mic up and start talking, and it's a fantastic the mic. Boom, the boom will change your life. Just yeah. get a boom. It doesn't have to be a good one. Just get any kind of boom. This thing, this is the thing for those who don't know. The boom is the thing. If you've ever seen a picture of somebody in a radio station, it's that big metal arm that has the mic hanging off of it. And that lets you, you can mount them to the desk. Like we bolt ours into the desk with screws and there's special mounts that that'll go right bolted into the desk, but you can get a wall mount. You can get, I think most of them come with a clamp that works on most desks. Like this room, yeah, the my- only thing I ever do in this room with this desk ever is microphone stuff. So I bought, I just screwed right in the desk with the, you know, who cares? Mine just screws right to my desk. I, I really am happy that I switched to it and, uh, I've still got the Heil here. Maybe someday I'll figure it out, but send it to I'm, me. Yeah. See, I'll, buy know, it. Like to, I'll send it to you and you can test it for me to see if there's anything wrong with me. You know, yeah, it, it, it may, it's got a low it end hiss to it. It may just be, it had the wrong, um, preamp but I, bob heil nice guy he emails me nice says guy. call me up we'll get online together we'll figure it out but ultimately the road podcaster was the right solution for me yeah good mike is that what you use katie uh no i use yes the podcaster that's what you yeah. recommended i got the whole setup you recommended yeah. with the boom and the shock mount and and everything oh, so that's what i tell people to get if they're serious about it if you're going to be recording a show where you know that you care about that's a great mic it's a couple hundred bucks yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, then I think I'm ta- you can get the whole package on Amazon for like two fifty or so. Done. Yeah, with the boom. boom and the shock mount and and everything. Do you need to do a sponsor? Yeah, we can uh, we can do a sponsor real quick. You want to do that? We'll come back. All right, let's do it. All right. All right. Well, let's let's talk about our first sponsor, and that is One Password. Which you know, One Password we always sing the praises of, but my One Password's getting a pretty big workout this time of year with with all of the online holiday shopping that I'm doing. Lots of filling in credit card numbers, filling in passwords, filling in. Um, I, I read a post once where people used to put their their credit cards on ice because they were you know, spending too much money this time of year. I'm not sure what you do when you've got all that information so easily accessible in one password. I guess maybe yeah. you delete it. And I don't just know. I password. find it really easy though, boy. We, we got on the online yesterday. We had our Christmas shopping list. Went to Amazon, went on a couple of online stores. I didn't go out to any of this Black Friday nonsense. Me neither, um, no. And uh, did all my shopping, and it's great because one password you have the little widget in right directly in Safari or your browser of choice when you're on the website and it's ready to check out. You click on the one password icon, and it fills in your credit card and address information for you, and it's always secure. 
it's it's just really useful. Another thing about the holidays and one password is it's usually when I find the best time to educate my family members about one password because you know you've got them a captive audience and because you know you're the family nerd they're always looking for something to get better at and I always try and get them hooked into one password and they always are very thankful later because uh, this is one thing everybody could use. You know, there's some products that, that we talk about that are really great if you're super geeky. One password is for everybody. I mean, everybody needs to have a good way to protect their passwords. And one password does that. It gives you the way to make the really good, solid passwords and at the same time have the convenience of being able to use them on all the various websites you have. Right. And what's great about one password is that this information is everywhere. It's on the Mac, it's on the PC, they've got versions for Windows, it's on the iPhone, it's on the iPad. In fact, I woke up on Thanksgiving Day, I just happened to wake up for whatever reason about 2 a.m., and I remembered there was one of those, you know, doorbuster deals that Best Buy had that I wanted to get, but I didn't want to get up and go to my computer and all. I just reached over and grabbed my iPad off of my my nightstand, and there were a couple of things I wanted to buy. Uh, here's a hint, a lot of those Black Friday deals are on sale Thanksgiving Day, too. And boom, I logged in with with 1Password on the iPad using their built-in web browser, was able to do my shopping, fill in my credit card information, check out with PayPal, however I wanted to do it, all from the iPad, uh, put it back on the nightstand, roll over and go back to bed and no muss, no fuss. So very easy to do. Yeah. Um, so, and the, so you, go ahead. And they've already announced that this new iOS version 4 is coming out, that that's going to be a free upgrade if you already own it. Well, actually, so, the iOS version is not going to be a free update. But if you do buy the Mac version uh, in the Mac App Store now, the Mac version will be a free upgrade. The, the iOS version you will have to pay for, but the iOS version is currently on sale. So if you go ahead and buy the iOS version now, you'll get it at the discounted price. And when the new iOS version comes out, it will also be at a discounted price for a short time. Um, so the discounted price now plus the discounted price later will equal the same as 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 buying it new. So there's really no reason to wait. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, either way, it's it's a fantastic application. And I recommend putting it on all of your devices. And they've got it all covered. Android, iOS, Mac, Windows. Uh, you know, Whatever you're driving, you'll get one password on it and you're set to go. So you can get it on the Mac at the Mac App Store for $49.99. Uh, you can get a pro version on iOS. That's both for the iPad and the iPhone. It's usually $15. So what is it now, Kitty? Didn't they drop it down? Yeah, it's it's currently on sale. I'm not sure what the current sale price is because it's it's adjusted. But but check your current markets. Um, and then the iOS regular version, um, which is just a single device, uh, is is also available. But again, the, the version four is going to come out for iOS devices soon. But it will also be at a discounted price as soon as it comes out. So uh, the two combined prices of the the iO the current iOS version on sale now and the new iOS version later uh, will be the same as the regular price. So there's no reason to to delay getting one password. Um, all right. Well, thanks to 1Password for their continued support of the show. Great folks over there. Uh, so, Dan, when you when you made the decision to to go to the office and all, do you have like, how do you connect everybody in? We know what kind of audio equipment you're working with, but do you have fiber where you are coming into the office with with multiple high speed lines, or or how do we how do we make sure that everybody gets connected in? And the, I mean, your 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 podcast sounds so good, which. I know part of that's the audio equipment you use, but ultimately everything ends up going over Skype. So how do you make sure that all stays up and going? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time, so that's a great question. Each of those DB, DBXs that I'm telling you about, I actually have a whole bunch of them, a whole rack of them 
because everybody that I bring in, they do come in over Skype, but they have a dedicated computer just for them. So right now I'm talking to you two guys and I'm recording this, even though, um, even though you guys might record it or send your versions, which you guys have as well. Uh, the, the standard operating procedure here is that I record everything. So if I have one guest, I'm, they have, there's, there's one Mac mini. If I have two guests, there's two. If I have four guests, there's four Mac minis, which is the most I'll ever do. Uh, and each one of those Mac minis goes, plugs into uh, their own DBX286S, which all, everything all winds up going into this mixer, which is a Mac Ionix uh, 1620i, which is connected to a Mac Pro. The Mac Pro has multiple drives in it. I'm using SoftRaid to mirror all of them. Uh, and basically uh, th- this mixer is really the heart of everything. So when I'm recording someone, not only the, the, the Mac, so the Mac minis having an individual, I'll get to the Skype part of this in a second, the individual Mac mini, the output of that goes into those, uh, those compressor, uh, preamps and then goes right into this, uh, this mixer here. The mixer lets me EQ everybody individually, independently, and also change how they sound fader-wise, like volume-wise for the live stream too. So if you're a little, let's say, Katie, you're a little louder than, than Dave. I can, just, okay. I can just bring your volume down with the fader a little bit. I mean, the DBXs are helping with that too, but I can just bring the fader down a little bit and, and nobody who, who's listening live knows the difference. And then in post, we can make sure everybody sounds exactly the same bringing them up or down as necessary so the reason that the live stream sounds good is because of all this equipment and behind the scenes in post we're also going and and the engineers that i have the audio guys uh are the ones that are that are making sure that above and beyond what i'm able to do here for for the live sound they're even even further tweaking everything out um and making everything sound good behind the scenes so that's it's basically, this is a solved problem. Just spend money. That's all you have to do. If you want, if you want your stuff to sound really good, just buy a lot of equipment. It's just, it's, it's that's simple. Just spend a lot of money. Uh, as far as how I do this with the bandwidth, when we have our own space, cause we're kind of in a space where you can get offices within, you know, it's, it's not exactly co-working. It's like office suites and we have a number of suites within there. Uh, the goal, though, eventually, as soon as we can find a place that, that will work for us in that way, is going to be to, you know, build out our own thing. When we do that, yeah, we'll then definitely, if, if we can get fiber, we'll have it. If not, we'll get, you know, multiple providers in there. Uh, but here, they have two different kinds of uh, connections here. I think they've got a, you know, what, what what you would call business class cable modem, which is as expensive as it can get it. And then they've got like an AT&T um, cable type connection i'm pretty sure and they've got those two things bonded together with um one of those bonding routers that i don't know i've never really seen it but that's how that's how they do it here and i run off of that and fortunately there's not a lot of other people here doing a lot of bandwidth intensive stuff so that generally it's not a big deal but you also have to remember that skype audio Skype still has the offers the best dynamic range. People will say, well, why do you guys use Skype, especially now that Microsoft owns it? Uh, it? It really has the best dynamic range. What I mean by that is it, it preserves as much more of the human voice than any of the other alternatives out there, whether it's iChat, a personal private like voice over IP system, uh, better than FaceTime, better than Google Talk, better than 
our own private Jabber servers. We have tested and do test all of these solutions on a regular basis. And Skype continues to have the best audio quality. If for some reason Skype does something evil, it will. It's just a matter of time. We will switch to something else and we'll just do more work in poster or, you know, more ahead of the stream to make it sound better. Uh, But right now it is Skype. So even so, I don't think Skype ever uses more than maybe, I, I read somewhere it was 64K, it might be 128, but it doesn't take a whole lot of bandwidth to just transfer just the human voice, just one spoken voice. It doesn't take a lot. And so if you think that I have, you know, even if I have three or four guests, we're, we're still not talking about that much bandwidth. And you have to remember that that bandwidth is coming down. Uh, that's not what I'm sending out. And the, you know, the stream that we send out is 64K. And my stream sent out to three or four guests is 64K each. So we're not really talking about that much bandwidth. Um, but it's the fact that each of these Skype machines is independent gets around all of the limitations that folks are going to run into when they try to record their own Skype conference call with like Ecamm Skype recorder, which is great software. But you've probably noticed if you've ever tried to do this yourself, that the quality degrades because what Skype is trying to do is it's trying to reduce the bandwidth that you're using. And it's, I think, I think what it might do, or maybe I'm not sure if they've changed this. But for a while there, I think they were saying, well, we have 128K to work with. We're just going to try and fit everybody into this one bandwidth we've set aside for this one Skype call. And that's why those generally never sound so good. But don't forget that if you record a call like that, you're only going to really get one channel. And when I record people, like right now, the three of us, each of us has their own track in Logic. I use Apple's Logic um, to record. And each of us has their own track. What that means is I can, first I can, EQ everybody separately on their own DBX. I can uh, tweak their levels and EQ uh, in the mixer. And I can also uh, go into post and then edit each of those tracks individually. So, you know, Katie, uh, your voice, because your woman is going to be different than mine as a man, we're going to have a different EQ preset that I can pick one that for you versus the one for me. And we can fine tune this stuff individually. Whereas uh, if it was all on one track, how could I ever appropriately EQ you compared to me? I couldn't. So neither of us would wind up sounding good. So the, these are all the kinds of things that, that go into it. Again, it's, it's just, you just spend money and you buy equipment and you pay for bandwidth and eventually it, uh, it can sound a little bit better. Yeah. And, and we've tried to work across all kinds of little hacks to splice this together without spending thousands and thousands of dollars um, like you have in your own studio. You know, we do, as you mentioned, the, the double ender recordings where David records his own local audio. I record my own local audio. If we have a guest, we try to get them. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't record their own local audio. And then, you know, it's this kind of puzzle putting them all back together. But usually we end up with the higher quality recordings that way. But it just adds a ton of time in, in post record and you know, post production. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of ways to make a podcast sound good. This is one of them. The double ender is what I used to do um, before I started five by five. And I, and I, I just did an occasional show. I would try to do that. And that's the tried and true technique. And then the only problem you run into with that is what's called audio drift. Because if, even my understanding is even if it's the identical computer, but most people don't have identical computers. You know, you might have a Mac pro and Dave might have an iMac. And if you both hit record at exactly the same time, 
and you talk for an hour, by the time you get to the end of that hour, those audio tracks will be off. There's a variety of reasons beyond the scope of my understanding why a computer would, uh, would get off that way. I'm not sure exactly what it is, whether it's a CPU thing, whether it's a hard drive thing, whether it's a combination of all these different things. Uh, but the, the point is, it doesn't really matter why. It just, it happens. So when you're editing, you need to account for that drift. Now, it might only be a one or two second drift, but it, it can be problematic. It's not a big deal. It just well, means it's, more it's work enough that post. you're stepping over each other and you've got to splice it and move it and adjust it. And it's the most frustrating thing until you finally just accept that it's going to happen and you've got to listen to the entire, right. you know, if, if you record for an hour and a half, you've got to listen to the entire hour and a half and, and figure out what's going on. Right. Now we never have to do that uh, because here we're, I'm, I'm using one machine to record all of the tracks. All the tracks are coming in simultaneously. And I want to get into all the, like the mix minus stuff that you have to do to send different things back to the different people. Cause it, that gets a little bit, um, tech technical in a not as interesting way, but the, there are, there's more work that you need to do. But the point is, and the reason that I've constructed this whole uh, this whole infrastructure here is because I want our workflow to be as fast as possible. My goal is to get the shows out as fast as possible from the time that I hit record to the time that the show is done. You know that could vary. That could be an hour, could be an hour and a half. If it's on Syracuse, it could be three hours. But the point is that from when I hit stop to when the show publishes, like it, it's great if that's an hour or 90 minutes um, because I want these shows to get out. People can't always listen. Live. I mean, shame on them, right? If they can't listen live. But the reality the jobs, is you, you can't. Like that. Yeah, I mean, they need to quit. But the, the point is I don't want to make people wait to listen to their show, you know, on their way home or in their lunch break or whatever it is. I want to get the shows out. I want to start working on the next one. So right now I don't have an in-house audio editor. I don't have a person who's, well, we have an in-house one, but they're not physically here. So I need to, and part of that's because of our space and a variety of other reasons. So as soon as I'm done, oh, and by the way, why do I use Logic instead of Pro Tools? I know the answer to that question. It's something called the bounce, right? Yes, uh, Katie, you're right. The reason why is because of the bounce. And, and here, here's, this is uh, in, in the parlance of our times, the... Uh, the bounce is once you have that mix and everything the way that you want, it sounds good, you bounce it to MP3. You've done just basically it's an export. You're combining all the channels, you're setting the preference, and we usually do, you know, just a mono like 64K mono file. Um, now, by the way, the quality of the editor you use is going to also determine how compressed and also how good that resulting file sounds. And that's why you can, like, I can hear something, I can tell you right away, oh, that's GarageBand. Not because it's bad, but like you can just tell the sound of GarageBand. You can tell the sound of Logic eventually, and and you can tell Pro Tools. Uh, Pro Tools is the industry standard. That's that is the reason that uh, so much of the 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 podcast industry exists because of Pro Tools. Because it's 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 straightforward. It, once you learn the tricks, it's pretty easy to use. Uh, but the problem is it does not have something called offline mounts. Um. If you know most people using Pro Tools, they're they're making music, they're making songs. Well, most songs are just a couple minutes long, two, three, four minutes long, maybe. So yeah. when you have a final mix and you bounce it, like it's only going to take it three or four minutes to export it out because what what it does is it's called a real time bounce. So that when you hit export, it'll basically play through the song or play through all the tracks while it's exporting them to disk and creating that MP3 file or whatever file format you've chosen. And if it's like a song you just did, like it doesn't hurt for you to listen to it while it's exporting. You get that extra listen. 
Well, if you've just recorded a 98-minute podcast, it doesn't really make sense for you to wait 98 minutes before you can upload that thing. That's crazy. It's insanity. But for whatever reason, Pro Tools does not have offline bounce. Most other things have offline bounce, and Logic is one of them. What offline bounce is, as fast as that CPU and hard drive can move, that's how long it takes it to bounce. So typically... On a, on a decent Mac Pro, that's going to be less than five minutes for a, like a 90, 60 to 90 minute show. So, you know, I've got to upload this thing to our SFTP server. The engineer's got to download it. That's already going to eat up 20, 30 minutes right there. Then he can edit it and push that thing out. But I can't wait another 98 minutes. I'm waiting another 98 minutes for that thing to bounce before we can upload it. So Logic, which is just fine, maybe not as awesome as Pro Tools when it comes to editing. Uh, you know what? It's fine. So that's, that's the software side of this. Now, now, when you upload it, what format is it in? When I upload it, I record everything in, uh, basically it's recording them at AIF. Um, and I think it's probably like the highest level of AIF we can go. I use 16-bit. You can do 24-bit, but there's no reason for that with the human voice. I mean, it's being mixed down to a mono 64 K file yeah. anyway. So a 16 bit uh, AIF file is just fine. And yeah, we I re- do the same thing. And I often wonder if it's overkill, but it's probably overkill. I mean, I figure that maybe, you know, the, these shows, Dave, they're so important that one day, you know, the, I don't know if it's Smithsonian, but somebody will <laughs> want the original recording. And, and by then we'll have some kind of, you know, real 3D true sound that people just hear directly in their brains. And they'll, you know, these things will sound like scratchy old, uh, what are they, they what, you know, when Edison invented the recording and it was just that little cylinder. I want to give them as good quality as they can get for the, you know, the remastering effort that the Smithsonian will undertake. So I save all of those. I save everything. We've got the Drobo with the 16 terabytes on it that I just throw stuff on. I archive it to that. Uh, so once I'm you've, done. you've got every original recording of all of your shows? Yeah, of course. Well, you know, I saved those for the longest time. And and then I kind of realized at some point, gosh, I don't know. I, I saved the original recordings. I saved the GarageBand files. And I then I just kind of figured out, gosh, why, you know, after I know that it was good, why am I saving these? But maybe I should go back to saving them for the yeah, Smithsonian, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the Smithsonian, who knows? Um, you know, Museum of Art, you don't know who's going to want this stuff. But, you know, what's nice is if we wanted to go back and do like a retrospective of 2012 in review, you know, I have all the original sources. The reality is like the MP3 quality is fine. Uh, but, you know, there's something about a copy of a copy, you know, that, that bugs me a right. little bit and... You know, I mean, I, I suppose that at some point I'll probably maybe offload some of the stuff and like put it onto a, a spare drive and and put that on a shelf somewhere. But 16 terabytes is a lot of space. But consider that each show is approximately a gig, gig and a half in size. Right. Yeah, it's crazy how much space this stuff takes. When I zip it, it's 500 megs in size and I got to upload that. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot of space. Considering that all, you know, compresses down when it's an MP3, it compresses down to like a 30, 40 meg, I get about their file, which itself seems like it's too large of a file, but yeah. Well, you know, your, your timing is perfect because our, our second sponsor so happens to be Drobo. Love did, those guys. Did you, did you set, tee that one up for us? I, I guess so. I wasn't planning on it, but I have, I have, uh, 
I've got a three or four Drobos here, including the 16 terabyte uh, one that, that's only half full right now. Now, well, is which, that the big 8 bay Drobo? Yeah, that's the one, the big one. Oh. You can rack mount that too, which I'll probably do. See, that's um, the beauty about Drobos is they've got solutions for everybody from, you know, just little old me who's got the Drobo sitting in my spare guest bedroom and using it for personal backup and storage to, you know, Grand Poobah Dan Benjamin, who's got Smithsonian archival files of every single 5x5 episode from the beginning of time, uh, you know, rack mounted in his in his vault. And all manner of, you know, you can customize them however <laughs> you want to go. <laughs> that's right. Hermetically so, sealed. So that's right. that's what's that's what's great about the Drobo is you, you you grab these drives that you've got. You know, if you've got a one terabyte drive here and a two terabyte drive there, and you know, lots of Black Friday specials going on, maybe you can pick up some three terabyte drives and and you stick them in the Drobo. You don't have to worry about about matching the exact same drive and the exact same pair. And if you want to upgrade, pulling all of your drives out and upgrading all of your drives at the same time, that's not what you do with the Drobo. When you need more space with the Drobo. You can pull out any drive or add to any empty slot that you have with any size SATA drive that will work. So you can mix and match. You've got a, I've got a couple of terabyte drives in my Drobo. I've got a couple of two terabyte drives in my Drobo. And the Drobo is smart. It's, I don't know what it does, but it automatically configures this in some magical mystery way to get you the maximum storage space on your drive. But it protects your data because we all know that, that drives will fail and depending on the model Drobo that you have, you can set it up for either single drive redundancy or dual drive redundancy. So if you have a drive that goes down, the Drobo will be able to compensate for that, and it can survive either a one or a two drive failure with absolutely no data loss. I had that happen once. It's a very scary thing. My Drobo was sending me an email in the middle of the day saying, uh, hey, by the way, just thought you'd like to know that your drive failed, but don't worry, I've got it. And by the time I got home that night, it had already reprovisioned itself and resorted out all my data. And it just had a little red light that says, when you get a chance, swap this drive out and popped it out, popped a new drive back in and good to go. Yeah. And they've got models that hold the regular size computer drives. And they've got the, now they've got a new model that holds the laptop size drives. They've got firewire connections, Thunderbolt connections. I believe they have USB three connections now. They did, uh, yeah. and, uh, they've got the FS that has the ethernet port that plugs right into your network. No matter how you want to plug this thing into your world, there's, there's a solution for you. I like the ethernet so, port because then you've got, you don't have to have the thing close to, because see for us, it's all about noise. I want to reduce the amount of noise in this room. I want to make this yeah. room as quiet as possible so we can make our own noise in it. And I, I often want to have the Drobo right now. It's not, but in the past I would have the Drobo out in, and by the way, these things are not noisy, but any noise I want to eliminate it. If I don't have to have it in here and any heat source, this room gets hot enough with people in here and all the machines running and all the equipment going. So anything I can get out, well, if you know, there's a limit on how far you can take like a FireWire 800 or 400 cable, but the ethernet, the, as far as you can run that, you just plug that thing right into the network and, yep. uh, and you can put that anywhere in the building. It's great. great. That's what I have. And the, uh, my, uh, my home office is a corner of my bedroom. So if I have the Drobo in there, it lights up the bedroom like a Christmas tree. <laughs> right. And, you know, and it does, there is a fan in there, so you will hear it. So I, yeah, I'm you, really you happy can with dim the those lights, by the way. Well, I just put a piece of black tape over it when I had it but in it, here. But, but it would be appropriate this time. I of do year. the, the same are red thing green. anytime Jude Law is on my television set. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a <laughs> All lot right, of time. Before the state 
Uh, Anyway, they've got Drobos for for every type of situation. You can find more information about all the different Drobo models over at Drobo.com. See which one works best for you. And uh, thanks, Drobo, for support of the show. Drobo. Yeah. Dan, how did you decide you finally needed to make the move into your your own office space? Because that's that's something that I know that I would struggle with is, you know, out on my own doing this, you know, and it kind of goes with the theme of some of the new shows that you're bringing online with five by five. I mean, that's that's a big leap. That's a big expense. You know, you're sitting in your spare bedroom of your house and things are working okay. You've been doing this for years, but all of a sudden you go out, you get rent, you sign a contract, you've got you know, a couple of years on this lease. I mean, I don't know. I don't want you to tell me the specifics of your lease and all that stuff, but you know, now you've got big commitments. Now you've got people and responsibilities and it's, it's kind of hard once you've turned that corner to, to turn back. How, how did you make that decision that, you know, we're going for it? Oh my gosh. It was the hardest, like one of the hardest decisions I've ever made because of the huge kind of commitment that it comes with. And, and really what it represented for me was do I run this? And I had already made up my mind, but there's a difference between knowing what you want to do or thinking that you're going to do something and the actualization of that decision, right? Of actually saying, yes, like, let's do this. And I, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe it's in a way it's kind of like graduating college. Maybe it's like getting married. I really don't know, but it somehow when you, when you make that decision to like, okay, I'm going to do this thing that now involves so many other moving parts and, and, you know, and other people and all and money and all of this stuff. It makes it very real. But the decision for me was more like, am I going to run this? And gosh, I hate the term lifestyle business, but am I going to do this as like a way that I make money? Right. Like this is the thing that I do that makes me money. And maybe that's designing websites. Maybe it's whatever, but like the way that I earn a living, is it going to be that or is this going to be the biggest thing I can possibly make it? You know, and I don't, I don't mean that in like a Donald Trump way, but I mean like, am I really going to go for it? Like, am I going to, going to, going to see how far I can go? Maybe I'll win, maybe I'll lose, Yeah, but you're, I, you're, you're I'm going to go for it. it right. Yeah. You're going all in. Yeah. All in. And that, that meant doing everything that I need to do to make that happen. It meant hiring people. It meant getting space. It meant getting more equipment. It meant, you know, moving or schlepping as you would say, all this stuff out of there. And, and really getting it set up. So that was part of it. Um, part of it was, was saying, I really, you know, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to build something that is not, is, is hopefully way, way, way more than me, hopefully way more than something I could ever possibly build by myself. Uh, you know, and, and build something that's going to last, build something that's going to be great and build something that, that doesn't rely completely on me to make everything happen because that doesn't scale, Dave. That doesn't yeah. scale. Yeah. Um, you know that. Katie knows that. I think all our listeners know that. So, you know, the direction for me was to also be able to, you know, there's, I mean, I moved to Austin for a number of reasons. And one of them, and, and you know, I almost waited. I almost said no offense, Florida, but, you know, I don't care. Uh, Austin has amazing, uh, wonderfully talented people here. Um, it's It's a wonderful place to live and work. There's a great community here. There's great technology here, but there's people with all kinds of disciplines and interests here. And the the fact is that, you know, I want to build the kind of studio where having remote guests is wonderful. The two of you guys are not in the same location. Um, up until very recently, most of my hosts were not here. They were and still are, I mean, you know, elsewhere. But 
I want to build something that's, that's essentially an internet radio station. And I want to be able to have people who can come in and do the work and I want to give them a place to do the work. And I want to have the hosts, you know, it doesn't mean I'm not going to have shows like yours where you're somewhere else. Of course we will, but wouldn't it be great that as we build more and more shows that, that come from five by five HQ world headquarters, that those people can just drive up and everything's here and they don't need to have their own microphones on their own desks. They can just drive into the studio that's right here and there's somebody sitting there running the board for them. And, you know, there's a room for them to go in and headphones for them to put on and a microphone in front of them and they just start talking and get up and leave when they're done. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. I'm not saying I'm going to do this to some huge scale that I need a city block to do this. We're just talking about a few rooms that are built out appropriately, but that's, that's the direction that I'm taking it in and, and wanted to take it in. And I said, yeah, I guess I got to do it eventually. What pushed me to really do that um, in, in a lot of ways are that it, it was, I knew that it was the right time that I was at that point in the business where things were really, 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 really insanely difficult to do on my own. And I was losing my mind. So that was part of it or I'd lost my, I think I lost my mind, Dave. Katie can <laughs> attest to that. And I realized that, okay, I've lost my mind. Don't I, maybe I can get part of it back, uh, is, is to get other people helping me and finding the right people to help uh, and, and doing all those other things that I was talking about, the only way that could happen was having that space and getting out of there. Um, so I had to do that. Well, you and know, I advise a no lot of No turning people, back, by the way. You know, when getting started in business is tough and that's part of my day job is helping people out all the time. And my first advice to them always is don't spend a single penny you don't need to. So many businesses fail because they start too big. But at the same time, there comes a point where you have to put money in and you have to expand and figuring out where that dividing line comes in is often the difference between a business that fails and one that succeeds. And, um, you know, it's, I, I got to hand it to you. I mean, I think you did it right. You built the network up and then now you're growing it to the next level. Well, and I'm thanks. really looking forward to seeing what you do with it. Me too. I wonder what I'm going to do, but I think, you know, it's, it's scary. It's scary every day. Because, you know, when you hire people, they, in many, many ways, they're your responsibility and you have to make sure that, um, that the business, you know, like worst case scenario, if it's just you and the business fails, like, okay, that's just you or, you know, then, well, I have a family to support. Okay. So it's just you and your family. Well, I've, I've got an employee now. I've got two employees now. I've got three employees, whatever it is that, you know, you're, you're, especially in a small business, like you're very cognizant that the success of the things that you do every day, it's not just you anymore. It's these other people. And a big part of it for me was I wanted to make sure that I was able to save enough of a cushion so that, you know, it, it's not like, wow, I, I sure hope that sponsor pays us on Thursday because rent is due on Friday. I really don't want to be there and didn't want to be there. So there was, yeah. there was a long period of time where I was really working hard to get to a point where I knew that there was some cushion uh, to prevent that from happening. Because I remember that I worked at a company for a number of years uh, where periodically the manager uh, or the, the the big boss in some cases would say, listen, guys, um, I know payday is Thursday. It, it's going to be Monday. And I'm sorry, but it's going to be Monday. And like they were running that tight. And I, I don't want to be there. So part of it was was that, was the the timing of that and trying to make that happen so now you're a manager and um <laughs> again yes i promised i would never be a manager again and here i am 
but that does change the tools you use. I mean, so how are you going about in this new role with all your fancy Apple technology sitting around there? Right. I mean, there, there are different, you know, I'm sure there are better tools than the ones that, uh, that I'm using. Um, I mean, in fact, I, I know there are, uh, and this is, this is where you will begin to see my, my, my world unravel right before your eyes because oh, I can't wait. Uh, yeah. Because I know that there are way, way, way better tools and uh, software out there to use than, you know, than, than what I use or what we use here. And a big part of it is uh, still like we're focused. Our number one focus is on making really, really good shows, preparing for those shows, um, helping sometimes other people do their shows, managing all of that process. Um, and, and the rest of the time is really like dealing with advertisers and selling sponsorships. And, you know, I've got, uh, Hattie Cook who works with me here and she spends, you know, in addition to being on the, the frequency, the morning show that we do every day, the tech news show, um, you know, the pretty much the rest of her time is spent just scheduling things and dealing with, uh, you know, dealing with issues, helping fix things and, and then, in, in, you know, working with sponsors and advertisers and, uh, and getting all that worked out. And she does that full time. Uh, you know, so the tools that we use are kind of in support of those two things of doing shows, making sure that shows run and then uh, and then dealing with uh, with with sponsors and advertisers. The fortunate thing is our sales cycle and, and the way that that actually works is pretty straightforward. Like we contact someone or they contact us. They're interested in something or we get them interested in it. And then we put something together for them, like a proposal and and, and we do it and. Most, if not all of this can happen like with a phone call and a couple of emails. Uh, sometimes it's more than a couple, to be honest, but it's, it's a lot of communicating. It's a, because we're dealing with people who are in marketing. We're dealing with people who are in marketing and PR. And these people are, they, they like to talk. They like to email. They like to, to chat a lot. So it's, you know, and then scheduling all of these things um, for the longest time, I just, because it was just me. I just had like a Google calendar and I tried to schedule everything with the Google calendar and that became a nightmare. And, and not that long ago, Hattie's like, this is ridiculous. Can we do something else? I'm like, please do whatever you want to do. So she's optimized everything. And now we've got like, we still use Google spreadsheets because they're, you know, when it comes to selling sponsors, some of the shows sell their own sponsors and, and uh, we need to collaborate with that. So that's the main tool that we use for like keeping track of the advertisers and the sponsors. There's another, um, Google spreadsheet that we use that the audio engineer uh, will update because our sponsors want to know, for example, at what point during the show did the Drobo ad just run? Well, that ran at approximately, you know, 42 minutes and 55 seconds. Well, the Drobo folks might want to know that you might want to tell them that, or we might want to give them access to that spreadsheet so they can just sort it by their, their name and see when the ad ran. Uh, so they can go through and listen to all of their ads. And, and believe it or not, advertisers do this a lot. So they're yeah. going to want to go in there and, and hear how, how were they represented on the 5, 10, 15 shows that came out that week or whatever. Uh, and, and they want to know. So we, we update that to share it. I mean, I've tried things like High Rise, you know, from 37 Signals to sort of do the CRM thing. Um, but the fact, you know, and I know that there's got to be something uh, like that, that that we can implement. So that's something because, again, you want to follow up with a sponsor later. You want to be able to say, okay, well, we talked to them in January. 
uh, and they said to get back to them in second quarter. So like set something up that's a reminder for us to go and get back in touch with them. Uh, High Rise will do that kind of thing. Um, but so does Google Calendar, like just put a reminder in. So it's surprisingly easy to to come up with that. And you know what's weird, Dave? Like as as much as I love uh, these the, all of these tools – um, you know, MindNote is a great tool that people can use for sort of the organizing. And, and by the way, yes, they are like a, a bandwidth sponsor. That's not why I'm saying it. Uh, but they have a really good tool out there. I love um, all the Omni Group's products like uh, OmniFocus for doing lists and things like that. I've also tried Things. Um, yeah. I have uh, I have an iOS app called Listery. Have you heard of that one? It uses Simple yeah. Note for syncing. Um, I'm a you know, and, and I've, I've tried recently just to use Apple's Reminders app for lists. But when it comes down to it, I am really old fashioned. Like I have a notebook and I write stuff down in a notebook. And when I'm done with it, I cross it off. And a lot of the time I'll take whatever I had on that day's tasks and I'll rewrite them. At the end of the day, I'll rewrite them at the top of the list for the next day's task. Now, doesn't this sound repetitive and boring? It is. But what it makes me do is it makes me feel really bad that I have to do this extra work of copying these tasks down from the one page onto the next page because I didn't get them done. So I'll remember to do them the next day because every time I carry a task over to the next list, every time I carry it over to the next page, it's like, oh, great. Here's something else I didn't get done today. And it's a little bit of an inspiration that I don't want to have to do that. I don't have to carry every, anything over to the next thing. But I'm like, I'm old fashioned. I write it down. I write well, it down know, and I check it off. The other thing about that is it gives you a chance to look at it and say, well, is this still something that's important to reevaluate it? Yeah. Instead of no. it just hanging out on that list and like, oh, it's been there for a month. I, I know I'm never going to, I know I'm never really going to do that thing, but I'll I, leave I, it there. I get emails where I see people at Macworld sometimes and they, they want to talk to me about how complex their system is. And I think I kind of have that reputation as being the complexity guy because I'm so into OmniFocus. But for me, it's just because I have so many things going on. I need a complex solution. But my feeling on all of this has always been find the simplest thing that works for you and don't go any deeper than that. And if you can get away with a, you know, a list on a napkin every morning, then bless you. Just do that. Uh, but if you need something more complex, fortunately, there's stuff out there. Yeah, I'm sure Hattie has stuff that's more complicated than than this that she uses for, you know, for all of us. I know she's got lots of lists and things going. But for me, you know, the main thing that, that I do is I have a routine. And keeping to the routine, even though that it can be flexible, even though it can change, you know, there's certain things that, that I'll do. Like the night before, I'll always start going over um, the next day's shows. And, okay, what am I doing tomorrow? What are the shows I need to prepare for tomorrow? What kind of news and links do we have for the, for the news show? Um, is there enough there? Are they in the right order? And, and do everything that I need to do late at night before the next morning when I come in and look at whatever new news has come out and I have to put in there. You know, if I know that I'm recording, you know, an, an episode of a show that I'm part of as far as creating the content, well, then I have to go and make sure that I know what I'm going to talk about. There, there's a lot of times like with hypercritical and build and analyze, for example, I'll just show up and I'll have no idea what the topic is going to be. And I'll just have to kind of wing it. Um, and I don't mind that, but if, if I do know what the topic is going to be, and especially as I'm in preparation for some of the other shows that are coming out, you know, knowing that, okay, I've got to research something or I've got to, we've got to spend time ahead of time getting it done. So that's, you know, that's like the evening activity. And then in the morning, it's like I do, and, and I have specific rules like about email now. Like I used to be the guy that had the email app open all day long. 
And, and now I don't do that. Like I won't look at email. Um, obviously I'm, if I'm doing a show, I, I don't have, uh, any email or anything like that open because I'm looking at news I'm looking at links. I'm doing research and putting in links for the show and all that. But you know, now I'll typically, I won't do even do, do email until like after I'm done with the, the morning shows, I might glance at it before I start shows, but I don't actually get in there and, and try and work through it until, you know, midday. Yeah. And e- email has been a real struggle for me. It's a ho- horrible thing. Email. It, it, the success of the field guides has really expanded the amount of email I get. And I'm trying to figure a way to deal with that in a way that means that I, you know, actually have time to still write another book someday. And it's, it's really a challenge. Uh, going back to your list though. I mean, that's very similar to what I do with OmniFocus. The advantage of having it electronic for me is that I don't have to write it down on tomorrow's list. I, you know, See, that's I my write. punishment though, for not getting it done. I, I get it. It's kind of masochistic. Yeah, though. no, you it totally is. I mean, cause for instance, if you want to prepare for the next you know, show with John, the next uh, hypercritical show, you could put it for Thursday night and then you won't see it until Thursday night. Or if you have a sponsor that says, write me back in six months, you can say, okay, don't tell me about this for another six months. And it's really, it's really fun when six months later you contact them and it blows their mind that you remembered. Well, you didn't remember. You just had a computer remind you that today's the day. And, uh, but, uh, you know, whatever works, though. I mean, I, I think that's the thing is uh, everybody's brain works a little differently on this stuff. And I think this is really for nerds. It's a, it's an area of real danger that you get into this and you start getting so absorbed with the best process and the best system that you'll spend three hours a day organizing your lists and maybe 20 minutes doing things on your list, which is, you know, the inverse of what it should be. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sorry, I I was just going to say that the one other thing that I recommend and that I use uh, is for invoicing. Like we invoice a lot because obviously we have different sponsors every week and we have to invoice. Obviously we're going to, you know, we got to, we got to get paid. So in order to do that, um, the, the, the software that we're using right now, we, we might be switching because my accountant wants me to use some other thing. Uh, And I just, when your accountant says do something, you just do it. Uh, really trust them almost as much as you trust the lawyers. But yes, absolutely. FreshBooks is what I have been using for, for the last uh, couple of years. And what's great about this and software like this is that when you invoice somebody, it will show you if the person has, re- like it'll show you that they viewed it. So that just having that, like you invoice someone and say, oh, this was viewed at 2 p.m. yesterday. Well, now you don't have to email. Did you get the invoice I sent? You know they got it and you know yeah. they looked at it. And you can even see if they've looked at it multiple times. You can see if, if they've initiated the payment. I mean, things like that. And we're still very, very much a small business. Like, I guess if you're a big business, you can put net 90 or net 60 on things. Like, I want to get paid, you know. So I'm having something like that that'll tell you. Uh, when when someone's seen the invoice is going to pay you, that's pretty important. I want you to know that because of you, I think this was an ad spot you did for them. Every time I hear FreshBooks, birthday cake pops in my head. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They had that big thing where you could get a bird, you could get a uh, one of their sponsorships way back, and that's a good example of a place that like I found them. I started using them. I thought they were great, and I started pitching them like crazy. Like, hey, let me let me get you on the network. Like come on the network and, and do some sponsorships because I really use the heck out of this and I think people would like it. 
and they had a big promotion where they would give out a birthday cake uh, to the, uh, they would randomly pick someone from each show every week and send them a cake. And I don't know how they did it, but like the cakes were locally sourced in your city and they would send it. Did you ever win a cake or anything? No, I, I did not get a cake, but, uh, but the, idea talking, it, my mind. the idea of like a cake showing up, it just sounds really great. Like a nice, fresh vanilla cake yeah. with creamy frosting. Yeah. 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 So anyway, there you go. well, I, I want to hit more on this email thing, but, um, because I know that that's a that's a, a sore spot for David mentioned it, and I know you mentioned it as well. But before we do, maybe maybe let's do our last sponsor real quick, okay? All um, right. So let's let's talk about Fujitsu, and it, with the holidays coming, you know there are always those few people on the list that you just don't know quite what to get them because they've got everything that they need, and they go out and buy everything that they want, and so you're just kind of scratching your head. And I've got a few people like that on my list, and I'm sitting here. Staring at my computer screen on Amazon, just kind of aimlessly browsing, trying to figure out what to buy people. And I look over the side of my computer and I see my scan snap sitting there and I just kind of snap my forehead and go, gosh, you know, who couldn't use the gift of going paperless this year? I mean, everybody in my family needs some kind of paperless system in place because they're completely disorganized. I'm trying to get them moved over one one by one to the paperless lifestyle. But, you know, I've got you know, cousins who are who are college age, who are just or and and just starting out and just getting in their own lives and you know setting up their own households, who are trying to get these things in order. Um, you know, my brother's just started a new job and is trying to get you know his his life in order and is just getting new bills and new household set up and things like that. And boy, if if you could start from the very beginning and start going paperless, wouldn't that have made your life a whole lot simpler? Um, so I think a lot of these people are getting. Uh, scan snaps for Christmas this year, just because, you know, it, it's kind of the thing that a lot of people maybe don't know that they need or know that they want until they get it. And then once they start adopting that paperless lifestyle and scanning their stuff in and not having to worry about all of these paper folders and things that they just can't find, I mean, they're going to thank you forever. Yeah, it seems to me like the real difference is the barrier to entry. You know, traditionally, when you think of scanning, I know I did. You think of that flatbed where you stick the piece of paper there, you push the button, you wait for an eternity for it to scan, and then you, you may have to turn it over and scan the back. And at the end, you get this really high-resolution JPEG or some other photo image format that doesn't really make sense for a digital document, so you got to deal with that. And it, just, it was just so difficult. Uh, but with the Fujitsu ScanSnap, there's one button on the thing and you stick the paper in there. It's got two scanners. It gets the front and the back. It zips it through really quickly. It's in PDF format. The software for the Mac is awesome. So when it's done, it'll do the OCR for you if you want it to. So all the text is recognized and you've got a nice little PDF there organized and done for you. It can hold with the big one. You can do up to 50 sheets in one run. And all of a sudden, Somebody who was hesitant to go paperless before realizes that it they can scan the documents probably faster than they could file them. So they're in. And then you just need to figure out how you're going to save the stuff. And the Fujitsu ScanSnap helps you with that as well. It's just a great solution. I think it's one of those things like when you want to learn how to run, you go buy yourself a nice pair of shorts and a nice pair of tennis shoes and you feel like you're into it. And it kind of gets you that motivation to going. Well, the, the ScanSnap does the same thing for getting you on the paperless road. Yeah, and they've they've got a couple of promotions going on right now. Like for example, if if you buy any of their ScanSnap products through their website, you can get a free year of Evernote Premium. And 
I love Evernote Premium. And that's how I'm managing a lot of my paperless stuff. So, you know, boom, if, instead of figuring out how you're going to manage all of the scanner stuff, there's your there's your built-in solution. But Yeah, put it they, in Evernote and you're done. Yeah, they, they've got solutions for all models, starting from the S1100, which is a, a single-fed sheet, a single sheet fed scanner, which is great for someone uh, who travels frequently or someone in a dorm room or a small apartment and, you know, just needs to scan a few things here and there. Um, I think the S1300 is really a sweet spot for people who are just starting out. It works with a Mac or a PC. It can hold up to 10 sheets. You stick them in there and it will scan them in. And then if you've got someone who, you know, you're really ready to go all in, they've got the S1500M, which is the model that I use. And that is the Mac daddy of the scan snaps that's got that big document tray that will hold up to 50 sheets and it just slurps the paper down. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You can find more information by going to ez.com slash SSMPU. Just clicking that link will help support the show and let them know uh, that we sent you to them and take a look at their product line and um, see if you can find a few Christmas gift ideas there. And uh, thanks to Fujitsu for their support of our show. So, Dan, I want to come back around to this email thing because you mentioned it, but between all of the different shows that you do, you've got to get more email than than probably anybody else I know um, between all the feedback for the shows. I mean, just the Mac Power users feedback I, alone, I know is is several hundred emails uh, a week. And then, you know, you're getting that times multiple shows that that you're on. And then you've got this business email coming in. You've got personal email coming in. You know, I know you you occasionally tweet this. This is my inbox with seventeen thousand unread hmm. messages. Yeah, um, and it, and I, that's always just out of shame. And I'm hoping that someone can commiserate with me. And hopefully, Merlin isn't listening. I have uh, six thousand eighty eight messages, nine hundred ninety six of which are unread. Uh, and I don't, you know, like there are people who though I'll just declare email bankruptcy. I like I can't, I can't, uh, I can't do it. And I yeah, do, but you'll, you'll be back there next week if you declare bankruptcy, right? I don't know how long it would take. I mean, like I'm working really hard, um, like on my main five by five email, 1966 messages, 27 unread. Uh, and I have the, I, here's, here's the reason why, here's the reason why I have so many, because I don't know how to use email. So here's what I'll do. Uh, I'll read an email. And I'll think to myself, hmm, this deserves a response and a good one. But I, I don't have time right now because I've got a show starting in 10 minutes. Or, oh, I have a sponsor call in 15 minutes. Or, oh, I need to, you know, go downtown because we're having this, uh, this meeting and the designers invited me to. So I'll, I'll say, well, oh, well, I'll get back to that. When, as soon as I get back, I'll do that. I'll write it, maybe even write it down. And then, and like, respond to emails. And then uh, I'll get back and there'll be 10 more emails. And I'll read, oh, well, you know. That one's just Twitter telling me about something. I can delete that. But this one, that one needs a response. And gosh, I don't know if I can get to that right now. And then all of a sudden, I have a, you know, thousand emails that are important that I would love to respond to. And the other part of it is that, th- that there are people who will just write in with feedback. And, you know, like John Syracuse has said many times, I will read your email, but I may not respond to it. And so I've taken that approach in some cases that I will read it. I read every email that I get, every email. I don't always respond to them all. Um, And and sometimes I just get in that weird, like, I don't, I might want to respond to it, but I might not. And if I put it into an archive folder, 
then I won't ever see it and I'll definitely won't respond to it. If I leave it in my inbox, it'll bloat the inbox more and I don't really want to do that because, you know, and I get into that and then I just, I wind up not really doing anything with it. So it becomes, it becomes a problem. It's like an emotional It's just all about emotion, Dave. It's all about guilt. I think I was, you know, my heritage is showing its, uh, showing itself. I, I get it too, because I get these emails from people who are really smart. I mean, we're very fortunate that the people who listen to our show and the people who read the books are really smart people. A lot of them are smarter than I, and they'll write in with these long emails. Yeah. Where, and it's not like some willy nilly. How can you not respond to that, Dave? Yeah, somebody took a lot of time and it's really thoughtful. It's not something where they're just spitting a bunch of garbage at me for a thousand words. And you just see it and... It's so first you enjoy reading the email, but then you're like, well, how do I respond to this? If I send back two or three lines, the then you're, then you're a jerk, it. Dave. Yeah, if, you exactly. just, if, you, if you write back, if somebody takes the time to write you like a like a 10 paragraph email about how you've, you know, the show that you did a year ago changed their life. And like this is moving stuff. And you're like, wow, I, I, I never imagined when I started doing this that like I would help somebody the way that I've helped this person just by doing a, a show. And. Man, that I, I want to call this guy and and talk to him and you know and and then like, oh yeah, okay, well I got to go do a show and and then and now you're, you are you more of a jerk by not responding than you are if you write back and like, uh, your email really moved me. Thanks for listening, Dan. Like now you're really a jerk, and and so what I did, listen, text text expander. So I started using text expander for some of these where like I wrote in as heartfelt of a way as I could, like I wrote a thank you, like thank you person for, you know, for taking the time to write this story. I really appreciate it. Um, I wish I had more time to respond uh, directly to what you've written, but please know that I did read your email and I really do care. And uh, thank you so much again for taking the time. And, and, and like, so I wrote a text expander that could do that. It could put the person's name in there and it would send and. And then I felt like, well, great, because, you know, yeah, this is – it's one thing to use text expander like when you get a sponsorship inquiry or when you're writing a sponsorship inquiry that's basically the same, saying I think your product or service would work with us and you could put it in. Fine. But somehow it felt like disingenuous doing it this way. Automating and, your gratitude. Yeah. So I, I only did it like two times and I felt too mad. I, I said I can't do that anymore. And then, then check this out, Katie. Uh, somebody wrote me a long email like this and I read it. And I just, I, I was typing, I wrote, a, you know, just without, without the text expander thing. I think this is before I did it. And I wrote the guy back and I said, thanks so much. You know, like, I wish I had more time to reply to, to your individual email, but this was such a, a great email. And this is why, you know, this is why some days when it's tough to, to get in there and do shows, like, this is what inspires me to do it. Thanks so much. And he wrote me back. He's like, I think I deserve more than a form letter response. Please tell Dan uh, that whoever's writing emails for him needs to do a better job. I'm like, dude, it's me. Like, I, I think that guy wrote me too, Dan. <laughs> I got that same email. I, I got a similar email too. I'm like, I'm a- like, dude, like it's me you're talking to. And that was, I sat down and typed every line of it. And he's like, oh, well then I'm sorry. I'm like, come on, man. I got accused of using text expander for an email like that and I hadn't used it. And I'm like, well, then I guess I might as well start using yeah, it. Yeah, going to start saying that. But I don't know. Yeah, and then I just hit delete. When are you, are you, so are, are you more of a jerk if you don't reply than if you reply with something brief? 
I think it's just a difficult problem. I mean, because I, in addition to wanting to reply to this, in addition to wanting to continue to produce more content, I also want to play Legos with my kids while they still want to play Legos with me. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I have a day job I got to get up and go to, which is a, a whole nother discussion I'd like to have with you someday about how you made that move and, and jumping over the cliff to start five by five. But I think we're probably beyond that. Maybe that's volume three of our workflow. There show. You go. But, but the, um, it, I, I just don't think there's an easy solution to it. There are some ways to help. I mean, one of the things I'm, I haven't said publicly, but one of the things I'm going to start doing is I'm going to pick one email like every week or two and do an extended post on it at the website and just That's tell people, cool like, you know, I don't have time to to do an extended reply to every email if I, you know, want to still pay my rent and want my kids to still remember who I am. But like I am a, repre- gonna, a representative email almost like yeah, exactly. I get this question frequently. So here's my shot at, at trying to answer five emails at once or something like that. Yeah. That's a great or idea. More. Um, but it, I just don't think there's an easy solution. And, and, you know, I guess this is a, a weird problem that we have. And it's a it's a fortunate problem because we've we've been relatively successful with the stuff we're doing and people want to hear what we have to say. But it is it is a problem because I, like you, feel this this pang of guilt when I see all these really smart emails that I just don't have time to respond to. Yeah. I mean, I, I, because every single day I've said this, it sounds like it, it, I feel like a broken record because I say it so much, but it's true. It's like, what a privilege we have to do something that we like and get paid for it and have it potentially positively affect somebody's life. Like that's great. And I totally take that as seriously as I can possibly take anything uh, and, and so when somebody takes the time to be like, uh, dude, I wrote you an email, like the least you can do is reply. And then, the, then Dave, then you wind up with, with the situation where like you go, let's say you go somewhere to a conference or something and you're, you're sitting there and somebody walks up to you and they're like, Hey man, like, it's really great to meet you. I'm like, Hey, what's your name? And we talked to them for a minute and they're like, Oh, you know, I, I emailed you like six months ago. I haven't heard back. And I told you my story. I'm like, <laughs> Great. You know, yeah. like you couldn't feel worse now. Like, wow, I really let you down. And I'll say that, like, I'm sorry. I, I, I know I didn't reply to it, did I? And he's like, no, 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 you didn't reply. Or then it's almost worse. Like, yeah, you said, thanks for writing, Dan, you know, like, great. And now, you know, and that's, that's the thing. It's like, I almost feel like, like, what are you going to do? And and then I debate like, well, maybe I could do one of those crowds, not crowdsourcing things, but what are those things where you can, like, you hire someone in another country to like reply to stuff for you or get an intern here to do it. And, and that just also feels like, like I know like Gary, I'll pick on Gary uh, Vaynerchuk. He has somebody replying to his email for him. Like he has a person Now they don't reply as Gary, but like they reply on his behalf. And I don't want to be so far removed from the people who are emailing me that like I, I have, well, one of my handlers will. <laughs> reply to you like that doesn't seem right either you know like i'm not that busy i just need to i just need to have like a day uh a week where i can get on this stuff well it's tough and then once you get through it a day later you're behind again yeah and and you think about people who are are really successful or have uh, jobs that expose them to a public you know like you know like the president does he stop and respond to every email? I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, but he's an he's a, a really important person. I'm I have no uh delusions about about that. I'm just a guy, but that's well, that's I, the I thing. can tell you when I when I was in college, I I worked for a congresswoman on Capitol Hill for a little while. And and that's what I did. I I was the intern that responded to emails in a particular area. Hmm. And I had a I had a binder 
with this was pre-text expander. Gosh, I would have. God, I could have done well with text expander. I had a yeah. binder with form responses. And then and then it was my job to anything that didn't fit the form response come up with and and uh, you know outside responses for for cuz cuz every constituent had to get a, a a heartfelt response because every constituent was a potential voter. I don't know if I'm if I'm that important yet, but it's a problem. And I it, and see the thing is I don't, you know, Marco would say on on his show uh he'd say oh well, you know, please don't email me or please email Dan. Um you know, I, it's not that I don't want to receive the email. I love it. I, I love reading it. It's just that I don't want to reply all the time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> for for what it's worth, one one thing I've done recently that is that has really been helpful is I've gotten extremely aggressive about pre-filtering this stuff and getting it out of my inbox. And I know that sounds like, oh, it's just going to sit in a folder and I'm never going to look at it again. And I was really afraid that was what was going to happen. So all of the Mac Power users' feedback, all of the comments on the website – all of the stuff that goes to my more public email addresses that aren't my personal addresses, that all gets this filtered into a folder, all my feedback stuff into a folder called feedback. And I was initially worried that I'm not going to go through here, but I actually found it had the opposite effect in that it got all of that stuff out of my inbox because before when it was sitting in my inbox, I always felt so compelled to do something to get it out of my inbox. So I had to get mm. it. It was just bothering me when it was in my inbox. I had to get it out of my inbox. So I would either delete it or send somebody a very brief response just for the purpose of saying, okay, I've replied, I can archive this now. And instead, now that it's no longer in my inbox and now that it's in this feedback folder, a couple of times a week, you may not get a response same day, but a couple of times a week, when I have an extra 30 minutes or an hour, I will now sit down and go through that inbox and clear it out, which means that I'm actually taking the time, I've dedicated this time to sit down and do this feedback I'm not losing the important messages in my main inbox with all of this other stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm actually devoting more time to these responses to people. And that's been what's really helpful for me. So, And you're accomplishing that with a Mac at home and using mail rules and Apple Mail, correct? Correct. You know, I just yeah. basically I've, I've created a series of, of mail rules that, you know, all of my outward facing email addresses that these feedback goes to gets filtered into a specific folder. So it doesn't pop up on my iPhone. It doesn't pop up on my iPad and it doesn't pop up on my main inbox. It just immediately gets filtered into a feedback folder. Yeah. And then also with the new VIP feature in the Mac and iOS, that way you can, you can escalate certain people. So they get through, um, right. uh, services like SaneBox, I think are really something that people should look at. Um, well, what's your mail client, Dan? I just use mail app and I use uh, mail yeah. on iOS and I've tried everything else that I've ever heard of that anyone else has ever said was good. And for one reason or another, I always came back to mail app and I don't, I do have filters and rules and things like that. Um, and I, I usually view by conversation, uh, which is helpful. Uh, well, you but have I view to because it, you've got so much in your inbox. I mean, yeah, it really is overwhelming. Uh, it is. and But I also, uh, I do not do the, um, hang on, I need to see what the name of this is. You know how you go, you have the different yeah. views and I, I should have known that. Classic layout, there we go. I use classic layout. Wow, you are old school, man. I have I have to because I have so many emails in there. And I, like if you, if you have a few hundred emails, I think the, the new, and I like the, don't get me wrong. I prefer the the new one. Like I really prefer it. Uh, and I used it when it first premiered with the beta. But 
it, it's just not when I, and so what happens is when I work down and get into the like 500 email range, I'll switch back to it until it gets out of control and then I'll switch to the other again. Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't like it. I don't like any of this. I just, what I, you know what I really want guys is I really want to someone uh, to come in here and go through all of my email and go through everything and organize it the way, I mean, I, it's all pretty organized in the, you know, behind the scenes. It's just, I, I have so much left. I have to organize, have someone come in here and do it and be like, okay, Dan, what's left are, are these other things. And I compiled a list of general questions and responses that if, if you give me these 20 responses, I can answer these thousand emails that remain uh, and, and have them just do that. But I would need to implicitly trust this person and, um, and they would need to be really, really a good writer. And I, so I don't know that person. Yeah. It, so it's, I'm not it's a, it. it's a problem that is very difficult to solve. I think for me, some of the hang up is uh, insecurity that, you know, I just don't want people to think I'm a jerk. True. Um, and, and some of it is just genuine, you know, love for the people who are writing these emails. I think they deserve more of my time than I actually have. And, you know, so I don't know what the solution is. I think I just need to listen to back to work for like 24 hours straight and, you know, yeah, that, that'll help. It will. Anyway, uh, by 85 the way, back, minutes in guys. Yeah. We, we've, we've probably <laughs> covered as much as we can, but you know, back to work. I'm ready way, to keep I, going. I mean, it's your show, but whatever. Oh, I've always wanted someone to say that on the show. Thanks, huh? Dan. What? Katie doesn't say that to you enough. No, no, Katie. She waits Hi. until the show's over. It's your show. Well, Katie, what are, you, what are you saying? <laughs> saying she, I'm you know, not, she no, waits until the show is over to, 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 to say, but I mean, listen, I mean, we can do that. I'll do another 85 minutes. I'm ready. That's yeah, all right. Ready to go. That's all right. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll keep talking after we stop recording, even after you drop off the call. Okay. Let's do that. <laughs> let's do that. We'll what just, else can I tell you? I think we'll you guys know everything now though. You know, yeah. every, we get a soda stream in here. Uh, you know, sometimes the AC works. I got panels up on the wall, acoustic panels. They don't do anything for sound insulation in or out of the room, but they keep reverberation and slapback and things like that from happening within the room. What's the what's the one thing you're doing with five by five now? What's the job that you do that you never suspected you'd find yourself doing when you started down this road? Hmm. Gosh, that's a tough one. I mean, there's certainly things every day that um that I, I could never have anticipated. Um, you know, I think the, that's a tough one. All the, I would say all the taxes and banking and, yeah. and going over documents and, and, and dealing, excuse me, with attorneys. Like <laughs> I never thought I would have to do all that. Like yeah. I just wouldn't do some shows, but like all of the stuff that you think of that it, like any time that the state or the IRS is involved or, or like getting to the point where like if you want to do something, you become the guy who's like, well, I have to talk to my accountant or I have to talk to my attorney. Like I never wanted to be that guy and I do that all, a lot now. And, um, you know, it that's that's part of the thing that like I always, you know, I mean like I was editing shows. I was recording shows. I was paying bills. I was, you know, getting checks. I mean ever since I – was back in my old software and, and IT days, I was in a management role. So like I knew I'd be doing that again. Um, I knew I'd be writing out rent at some point, you know, rent checks. 
I just, the, the amount of money that, that we have to pay to the IRS is, I mean, Hey, I'm, I love my freedoms here in this country, so I'm not complaining. Right. But man, those are some big checks. Yeah. It's, you know, having been a business lawyer for 20 years, I can tell you the most dangerous time for any business is (laughs) whenever it's (laughs) when the IRS comes calling. No, no, it's, it's the (laughs) section where you've been at some level of success when you're either small or medium, and then you, you step it up to the next level, like going from small to a medium sized business where suddenly you have employees and you have all these things that you never dealt with before. And that's the time that people always get in trouble or when they go from medium to large, when they're adding additional facilities and all these things, Um, people don't realize it's just as a business owner, it's terrifying. And I'm sure that a lot of that stuff takes a lot of your time. In fact, you and I've talked about it. Yeah, no, you know it, you know, because I've come, I've cried, I've called you crying in the middle of the night (laughs) about it. And no, it really, I mean, it's, that's the part of it that I think is, uh, like you can never, and, and like I used to, I remember when I worked at especially small companies and like, you know, you'd see like the, the, the guys at the top, they'd walk around, they'd be like white as sheets, just walking around like, like, yeah, and you knew not to talk to them and something was going on. And, and, and now I know that it's just, oh, well, like quarterly taxes were due or something, you know, like, or, or, you know, it, it, you had to pay your, your state, your state tax. And then the, um, the, the, you know, tax returns were due and you had your quarterly tax all in the same month, you know, that'll do it to you. Yeah. Well, either way, you've done it magnificently and (laughs) you've been an inspiration to us all. I mean, I I can tell you that I'm, I've been doing the same job for many, many years and all of a sudden I find myself in the publishing business too. And I'm trying to figure out how it all fits together and watching your success and, and being a small part of it really has been a joy for both Katie and us. You guys are too nice. Absolutely. Too nice. Absolutely. Thank you. Too nice. Well, Dan, we're going to have you back again. And uh, I'm sure volume three will have a lot more to talk about as uh, you continue to grow this amazing network. And thanks a lot for spending a Sunday afternoon with us and coming in and talking to us about workflows. Guys, thanks for being part of it. I mean, uh, you're, you're the reason why I love doing this so much. So thanks, guys. And uh, you can find links to everything that we talked about at uh, um, the website. It's at 5by5.tv slash MPU. Uh, and if you want to send us feedback, Dan's got a contact form up there, or you can send it directly to uh, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Yeah, that email comes to both of us. We're also on Twitter. It's at MacPowerUsers. Uh, Dan, you're at Dan Benjamin, correct? Ah, uh, that is correct. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then on um, app.net, you're just at Dan. Dan, yeah. Impressive. Impressive. Early, and early then, adopter. Yeah, I'm at Max Barkey, and Katie is at Katie Floyd on both services. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dan. It's It's been a pleasure, and we'll do this again next year. Can't wait. Thanks, check guys. Our, our annual check-in. That's right. <laughs> thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.